I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Hello and welcome to Indie Book Talk. Today we're talking about a subject close to both mine and Shelley's hearts, which is using myth to make your stories awesome. Is that a good description? I don't know. I like Draw it. with it. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason this topic came up is because if you've read any of my books, you know, mythology is a thing. And Shelley also works some myths into, I don't think so much into the cozy mystery, correct me if I'm wrong. No, it's kind of hard to do myths and cozy, but definitely all urban fantasy. Yes. So all of her urban fantasy, which we're very excited about and still poking her about finishing. Oh, we're close. We'll Are talk we? more about that at some other time. But yes. Ooh, okay. So focus, focus. I'm focused. I'm not. <laughs> so maybe we should start with what we mean by mythology because it, it's a, a pretty idea. broad concept. I mean, mythology can mean many things, but I think it's the use, what we're talking about is the use of gods and goddesses and that kind of world in our writing. Exactly. And I think everyone knows that from, you know, Marvel mostly, you know, you got your Lokis and your Odins and your Thors. So Norse mythology has been really big in media lately. Um, but as far as writing, it's mainly the Greek and Roman mythologies that I've seen come across until the latest Marvel trend. Would you say that's about what you're seeing? Yeah, there's something about Greek and Roman mythology that just speaks to people. And I don't know what it is. I think it's that the gods are just so ridiculous. <laughs> like, no attempt is made to make them really, like, benevolent. They just sort of do their thing. And I guess that's true of Norse gods, too. But I don't know. We all grew up on Hercules. I think that's the problem. Well, that and I just think and I didn't grow up learning about Asian gods or, you know, all these cool Celtic gods, really, until much later. True, true. I would like to learn more about some other mythologies because there are some really cool stories out there that like every once in a while I stumble across one and I'm just like, where did this come from? Um, for example, I don't know if this really counts as myth. It's more of a fairy tale, but I was kind of blown away by the Chinese version of Little Red Riding Hood. Ooh, what was that in? I don't it, think I've read that. I have it in like a children's book because I found it somewhere and was like, what is this thing? And it's really like, it's still sort of recognizably Little Red Riding Hood, but mm -hmm. it's different. And you can see that there's other cultural influences happening and it doesn't, it sort of goes off in a different direction. And I'm not going to spoil it for anyone, but look it up. It's really fun. <laughs> um, but, but for me, I think... I have relied mostly on the Greek and Roman mythology with like a sprinkling of Egyptian because, you know, there's some overlap there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the Egyptian side of things. I don't see much of that in any writing, though. Yeah, I think that like, uh, what was his name? Rick Reardon did a series that pulled more from the Egyptian side. Like, I'm pretty sure that's a thing, even though he's best known for the Percy Jackson series, which is very heavily Greek and Roman. So was his other series a young adult as well? Because I don't think I've yeah. heard that one. Yeah, it's like something of the pyramids. So like I jumped to a wild conclusion that it was Egyptian, but who knows? Could be, you know, <laughs> Mayan. 
I might be wrong. I, I'd love to hear about some Mayan gods too. So I, I I'm did, in. <laughs> oh, oh, I did sneak in Mayan gods. Okay, so in um, Near Life Experience, which was my second book, um, there is a council of the afterlife. So all these gods who have historically had some sort of control of the afterlife are now like on a council together in an attempt to like bring order to the universe. And uh, they get along about as well as you think they would. (laughs) No egos at all. No, no. No. Okay. I didn't think so. So they're really fun to write. I have a Japanese goddess. I have a Mayan god. I have... I can't even remember them all because there's like a whole council. There's like 12 of them. But even so, the story really does come down to the kind of Greek and Roman mythology. And in my series, the Greek gods and the Roman gods, who are the same people, if you look right. at actual mythology. Yes. <laughs> they are, in fact, like different incarnations and they don't like each other. The Greeks <laughs> think the Romans are like frivolous and foolish. And the... Romans think the Greeks are kind of like stuck up and full of themselves. Are the Celtic gods just drinking in a corner? I just... <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. They they like can't be bothered. They sail off and do the thing. Though Freya um, is a Norse goddess. She is in the in in this council. So hmm. now, are all the people people the, all the gods and goddesses you're using from actual mythology, or have you created any for the story? I have not created any. Although I have in my most recent novel, the one that's coming out in like a few days, woohoo, woohoo, which we'll plug that at the end. But the one that's coming out in a few days, I actually kind of dipped into some lesser known goddesses. And so I have Menacene, who is the goddess of memory. And I have. Where's she from? She is a Greek goddess. I have not Um, heard of her. Uh huh, and she has she has like a whole thing. There was like the waters of remembrance, and do you know how like if you get dipped in the in the river and you lose your memory? Well, there's another river you can get memory and like insight and stuff. Cool. So yeah, menacing's cool. I'm not gonna spoil how she incarnates in assembling Ella because I think it's really fun and I don't want to give away until it happens. <laughs> but she's there and she's delightful and you know remembers everything and is very kind of persnickety oh that would be exhausting to remember everything i know she doesn't it's funny because there was an egyptian goddess before her and this is like part of the mythology of the world of smashed together myths right so there was a goddess before her who was the egyptian goddess of memory whose name i can't remember right now (laughs) (laughs) she will smite you later it's okay yeah that goddess she um she did like hold it all in her head. And so eventually there became too many humans and she couldn't handle it anymore. And they sort of retired her. And now there's another system that means that the goddess no longer has to hold it all inside of her. And so she's like, has more, more space, more. More space. Yeah. Excellent. But again, I'm not going to give away any of that. Uh, The other goddess though, was the most fun ever. Leith Mm. is the goddess of oblivion Mm -hmm. and she is so rarely mentioned that basically all i know about her is her name is leith and she is the goddess of oblivion (laughs) so you can really play with that so you can really play with that and so i could make her kind of whatever i wanted her to be um but she makes this perfect foil 
obviously, for Menacene because we have the goddess of oblivion and the goddess of memory. And it turns out they want opposite things. (laughs) So I had a good time kind of bringing these goddesses back to life. And I think that's part of the fun of this is like you kind of get a framework. You know, you've got the goddess of memory and the goddess of oblivion. And now like I have kind of a like two set pieces that I can put up against each other. And could I create them from scratch? Yes. But there's something like more familiar, even though they're unfamiliar goddesses, there's something familiar if I say, these are Greek goddesses. It's like, oh, okay, I know what that means. And to be honest, there are so many, and they literally cover every possible thing you could want them to cover. Uh, So you'll always find a god or goddess of something that that you can use. <laughs> well, and then there's the concept which I haven't played with yet, but I want to. There's the concept of small gods mm. who were like the gods of the household. Um they have another name too, but it's basically like the god, the, the little like spirit that watched over your particular household. What what would they look like? What would they do? I have no idea. And maybe someday I'll get there, but right now it's just like a cool concept. First thing that came to mind was like one of those little brownies that take care of your home and you got to leave out the chocolate and milk for them, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's they did. They had like little altars to them in their homes and you'd have to, you know, greet the, the spirit of the home. You know, that's kind of, that's in other, other traditions as well. I think the Japanese tradition has something similar and there are a few other cultures that, that have that or have something like that. But I just really like the idea that, like, every household has its own god. I want one. Right? I think you could probably call one in. You just need a little altar and, like... Okay, I'll add that to my homework. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So, before I get just completely talking about my own stuff, uh, tell us something about the gods and or goddesses in um, your urban fantasy story. Ooh, I can't really talk about them too much. I do pull from the Greek and Roman as well, just because they're the most familiar to me. But primarily, they're more Celtic. Um, I'm more kind of the the Bridget and and that kind of goddess. So mm-hmm. I it's more strongly to that area. But I also do love like uh, the Japanese, uh, the goddess of the foxes. I can't remember mm-hmm. her name off the top of my head, but I love those kind of. They're all animal related. Um, yes. Because the one of the there's two urban fantasies. The one I'm talking about, uh, it's a, kind of a wildlife sanctuary, but for cryptids and unusual animals. <laughs> so it, it's like a wildlife rehab, but for werewolves. And so you have your gods like there as well, but it's mostly the the lesser known ones, uh, because really the wildlife uh, gods and goddesses weren't the the biggies. Uh, a couple of them were like uh, Diana. Mm-hmm. Or Diane, however you want to call it. She was a big person of wildlife, but that wasn't her main known thing, I don't think. She was mainly the goddess of the hunt. Important to remember that, like, all of these, all of the Greek and Romans, certainly, and many of the, the Celtic, had some sort of animal incarnation. Yes, in some aspect fun. that it's it's a small part of them. But no one was, like, primarily, like, this is my thing. At least not that I have come across as of yet. Yeah. What so, about monsters? Because I seem to recall some story you have that might involve some monsters. Do you have any mythology-based monsters? Ooh, I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, because like I think that's one of the things. We talk about the gods a lot, but there are some cool classic monsters, you know? 
Minotaur and, you know, the Hydra. There, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. And there are a lot of them that aren't the ones that immediately come to mind that are sort of like hidden in these stories that I just think would be fun to bring out into the light. So as far as that, I mean, there will be like Selkies um, and, you know, evil water creatures. I hadn't determined if I was going to name them after actual beings that in mythology as of yet, but that would probably help people understand who they were better than trying to make up a brand new one. Yeah, I'm thinking like, especially with monsters, you can spend a ton of time describing what this monster is, mm-hmm. or you can just be like, yeah, it's a satyr. And everybody's like, I got it. <laughs> or like a minotaur or a silky. Like, even if I don't know what that is off the top of my head, I can Google it. And there's like a billion pictures that give True. me a rough idea of what we're talking about. There's a teenage kraken out there in the sailboats. We got it covered. <laughs> Those they they are out of control. You have no idea. When they go walkabout, it's just horrible. I, I imagine. Kid, the acne must just be. <laughs> oh. It's barnacles. It's all barnacles. <laughs> okay, that's going to take me down a whole other route. So darn you. <laughs> Book two. Go. <laughs> all right. So do you have any Native American things? Because I just finished a book. What was it called? The Trail of Lightning, which I absolutely adored. Um, and it was about after the apocalypse and pretty much only the Native American culture survived and it brought back all of their gods to them. And it was oh. fascinating because it was a bunch of, and I, I love Native American culture, but it was a lot of gods and goddesses that I've never heard of. And I just thought it was great. So I would love to do that. I do have um, Native tribes in my ancestry. Um, my Ooh. Yeah, uh, the the Blackfoot tribe, um, mostly in the what is now Canada, but at the time was theirs. My great great grandmother was of the tribe, and so like I've I would love to play with that. I actually have a book called I think it's the Tales of Our Grandmothers, and it's about the tribe and the stories that they told. Uh, and some of it is mythology, but a lot of the I think the difference is, and the reason that I'm a little like leery of of tackling that is that when I talk about like Greek and Roman mythology, most modern people, there are some, but most modern people are not embracing that as their cultural tradition. It's like, it's become kind of a new thing. Mm-hmm. And there are still native tribes that that is still very much their sacred space. And I'm a little nervous about like stepping into that. I would have to be very, like I might for the first time need a sensitivity reader. Right. So I wondered about that as well, because so the book I mentioned was actually written, written by a native American. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which was again, fantastic. You should read it. I will. Um, but as far as the other gods and goddesses you use, so think of like the pagan community. Do you worry that what you've written might infringe upon them at all? Or I feel like the pagan community, as I, and I, I mean, I don't, I might be wrong, but the pagan community, as I have engaged with it, has been very open to storytelling. And their gods and goddesses are both sacred and immediate. Right. (laughs) So I feel like you'd have to you'd have to work really hard to purposefully offend someone who by like telling a story about Morpheus, for example, 
Like you'd have to really like you'd have to be really being a jerk. <laughs> no, I think I, I I think the same way. I, I think that their concept is more of a an everyday kind of God anyway, mm-hmm. um, when they factor it in. Just in general, are you concerned about that with any of the ones that you're using? I don't think so. I've I've I mean, I would certainly, if somebody reads something that makes them uncomfortable, I would, I would like to hear about it. Like, please send me a message because I would definitely want to know that. Mm-hmm. But I like to believe that I'm respectful of the mythology and like the, the personality of the God in question. Mm-hmm. But of course, everyone has their own interpretations. So I, you know, I could be completely off base. And if anybody out there is in the pagan community or in, um, you know, practicing Shinto or something like that and wants to come tell us about it, we would love to hear it to make ourselves better writers and like more culturally sensitive about these things. So like, oh, please. Because I am fascinated by how, how people view things. So I, I always love to hear what I can do better. Absolutely. But moving on to the exciting thing that I want to tell you, which is that Assembling Ella, very heavily steeped in mythology, Assembling Ella is coming out in like, Two days. Party, party. Yes, yes. And the book (laughs) launch party will be July 29th. If you are local to the greater Bangor, Maine area, which I don't know how many of our listeners are, but any of you who are, come actually to the physical location, the Bangor Arts Exchange, and hang out with us. If you are not local, I am going to do my best to be live streaming at least the reading and Q&A portion. So I'm not going to like live stream the whole thing with people just talking and you watching me sign books and be sad that you can't actually get a book signed. But <laughs> the talky bits, I will I will try very hard to live stream and worst case scenario, we'll run video the next day. Very exciting. Yeah. So I'm really stoked. I didn't get to do an in-person book launch last time and that was sad. And, and this is going to be happy and wonderful and I'm so excited. Yay! <laughs> So everyone, go to Bangor right now. Yes, Southwest yes. has sales. Make your make, make your <laughs> reservations. There are plenty of hotels here. Uh, uh, there's going to be snacks. Beautiful time to go to Maine. Beautiful time. Best time to go to Maine right now. Uh, so get up here. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> there are no teenage kraken. You're safe.